and welcome to another episode of From the Horse Box. I'm Kate. And I'm Claire. We had great feedback following our chat with Seth, so if you missed it, catch up on episode 32. Yes, a hard act to follow, so we thought we'd try something a bit different this month. Go behind the scenes at our local point-to-point, the Wednesday in the Flint and Denby, held at Bangor Racecourse on the 12th of March. Well, this was a huge success and drew a bumper crowd Um, so congratulations to all the organizers some of whom we're going to be chatting to in this episode because the lead up to it with all the snow and everything they did amazingly well it was a great build-up with Cheltenham just around the corner yes it was and the winner of the hunter chase um, Bradley Gibbs uh, with Premier Magic uh, is such a family story with his father-in-law-to-be owning the horse and um, he trains it That's a great family story, just like Felix. Yes, it was brilliant. And the link gets stronger when I found out that Bradley, engaged to Claire, uh, they met when she worked with the Glamorgan Hunt Horse. So listen up, Carly and Chris. So we're under starter's orders, and Claire begins chatting to Carly Sage, clerk of the course. Hi, Carly. Now, you cleverly managed to combine your hobby and your job within your many roles for the world of point-to-pointing, the Jockey Club, Aintree Equestrian Centre. What what do you find is the most challenging uh, part of that? I think, firstly, um, I'm incredibly lucky that I'm, I'm one of probably a few people that actually love my job. Um, and it is almost a bit of a hobby, you know, that I've managed to stay in the equestrian industry. I'm from a farming, hunting, racing background and, you know, was riding probably before I could walk. Um, so being in a position to, you know, work in the equestrian industry and work somewhere like Aintree Racecourse, which I'm incredibly proud of. Um, it, is it really a job? <laughs> yes, obviously there are challenges um, at times. Um, but How yeah. much has the weather challenged you for this point to point tomorrow? I, I'm very proud to say that I wouldn't want to be a full-time clerk of the course. I think any clerk of the course deserves an absolute medal. Um, waking up to snow the last two days has been uh, been yeah quite uh, so quite it's your testing. decision it's your decision is it whether to yeah run. because at the end of the day it's the welfare of the horses and the jockeys that are out there that the that the racing surface is is as best it can be and when it was covered in the white stuff yesterday there was there was questions and a lot of phone calls my my phone was a hotline yesterday but thankfully it's nice and green out there now so how does the point to point world underpin other equestrian sports the racing world and jockeys and people's careers um i think point to point is a great start um for anybody that wants to go into the racing world whether that's whether they want to be professional jockeys trainers um or even just just working in yards in racing yards um, do you know of anyone in particular that has I, progressed from that i think within the Wednesday, um obviously toby Wynn, um you know the two mags boys so they've done really well we could have done with them staying in point to point in a little bit longer um but it's been wonderful to see them and you know i saw them as young lads out hunting uh with the Wednesday, uh jumping very scary things and uh, and then obviously going on to pony racing point to pointing and doing really really well for our local trainers uh, donald mccain and Oliver and Josh, so um, you know, well done to them, and they're, they're flying the flag. So a great crowd will be here tomorrow to um, enjoy the day. Lots of sponsors and volunteers from both hunts. How will it compare to a big Aintree day? Um, similar, obviously, on a lot smaller scale. But I think um, one thing to highlight is 99% of the people here um, at Point to Points and any Point to Point are, are volunteers. Carly, are there any local uh, stories to look out for with who's running tomorrow? 
Um, so locally, um, I know Heidi Brookshaw, she's uh, bringing eight horses, so she's got horses in each race, which is brilliant that, uh, you know, she's only up the road. Um, and there's a couple of local uh, local jockeys riding for Henry Crow uh, being one. Amy Jones is another one. She's a novice rider. She's got two rides to Heidi tomorrow. She's um, come from a show jumping background. She's been on the European team show jumping as a as a young rider and has now decided to go into point to point in which um, it's great to see her progress. Um, Woolley, I think he's got runners. Um, there's a lot of local ones. Joe O'Shea, he's got a couple of entries. Um, so we don't actually know what's going to turn up on the day, um, but obviously entries are really good. We've got 96 entries, um, which we're really pleased with, and hopefully there'll be some competitive racing good results. Yeah, that sounds great. Is point-to-pointing strong in this West Mercian area? Yes, it is. And um, we obviously used to be the northwest area. Um, we started up, you know, with the way the current climate, the way things are, that you know, we do, did start to lose a couple of tracks. Uh, so we have merged with the West Mercian, which has obviously made us stronger. Um, and people are willing to travel more. You know, years ago when I was riding, you, you kind of just stuck to your local area and travelled within an hour, an hour and a half. But people are willing to travel three, four, five hours now. So um, I think point to point, obviously, numbers are slightly less than what they used to be. Um, we're in an ever-changing world, but uh, as an area, we're in a good place. Yeah, there's a lot of true devotion to the sport with these horses. There certainly is. Thank you, Carly. Claire caught up with Ant Griffith responsible for sponsorship, which underwrites the point-to-point. And what is it about point-to-pointing that makes people want to be involved and be generous enough to sponsor? Uh, It's all because of people like me who push people into sponsorship. Uh, It's a fantastic event, obviously, family-orientated, as we all know. And the sponsors come and they have a lovely day and it's extraordinarily good value in comparison to National Hunt Racing at a fraction of the cost. And we've got the lovely Flint and Denby Wednesday ladies that look after them all. It's just a lovely family occasion. So you've been doing this quite a long time, 31 years, am I correct? Possibly 32. Uh, It's so long I can't remember. And I have been trying to get out of it for a very long time. You must be too good at it. Um, well, I have worked out the only way that I can possibly get out of it. Uh, Dom Curran did say to me as chairman, he said, there's only one way out with these things. You have to find an adequate replacement or it's dead men's shoes. I finally got a replacement, actually, and I am deputising over to Will uh, Turner. Thank goodness. So how do you find working with the Wednesday? Because the last couple of years you've worked together, haven't you, the Flint and Denby and the Wednesday? How does it work as a dynamic? Uh, we've, I mean, we've always worked together. There's a, been a fantastic committee to be on, uh, 32 years later or whatever, and, and we've always been one big happy family. I mean, there's always been a, one or two little niggles of rivalries, but generally it, it's a, been a fantastic committee. There's no messing, no nonsense, and it's over pretty quick. And... You know, it's been a great team to work with. So you've um, been a jockey yourself and ridden in lots of big occasions and point-to-points. Does it make you at all nostalgic for those days when you look back? Uh, definitely nostalgic. Uh, I had so many happy memories. I had a great time. Bangor was a particular favourite track of mine. Had uh, rode half a dozen winners here. And uh, yeah, it does. But I have to say, I'm now reached a stage where... I actually don't really want to be up there. Many spinal injuries later, I just, I don't want to do it myself. However, you know, it makes me, I definitely have a bit of nostalgia watching the boys going out there. So there must have been quite good rivalries back in the day. Who were your main 
rivals? Uh, there was a proper, proper, uh, lovely team of, uh, of jockeys and a lot of the locals, uh, Chris Docton, um, and obviously the Barlow boys were all great mates of mine. And what's rather amazing, you know, great mates with David Barlow, but, but I've got pictures on my wall of the Griffith Barlow rivalry is actually goes back four generations. So finally, and in fact, Dylan were rode in a flat race with uh, Paddy a few years ago. I think he was, I've got, that's the fourth generation of, I've got photographic evidence of four generations, which is rather amazing. Well, I did do a bit of background check on you with my father-in-law, and apparently your father, not too far away from here at Bangor, um, forded the river, and there's a story about that. His bravery was pretty tremendous. Oh, so dear. it must run in the family a bit. Uh, yes, we don't like talking about that because it was actually really ridiculously foolish. And he was so smug. He was the only person that actually followed the hounds across the river. I was going, where is everyone? Uh, and for when everyone else caught up, they were just going, you're a lunatic. Uh, and I'm afraid it might have possibly, one or two genes might have followed on. Well, uh, yes, there's lots of good stories. Uh, will you be following any particular horse or story today? Uh, no, I'm just here to enjoy the day. Uh, I'm just trying to sort of steer my young, who's obviously uh, extraordinarily keen and trying to keep him as far away from the bookmakers as I possibly can, but I'm afraid that I've lost that battle already. Well, I'll let you get back to your sponsors, but thank you very much indeed, Ant, for talking right. to us. There's a huge army of volunteers of all ages and Claire caught up with some of the younger ones. Well, good morning. I found two race card sellers well, here. What's your name? Ollie Johnson. And how old are you, Ollie? I'm 17. And is this your first year selling race cards? Yes, it is, yeah. And also we have? Yolo Griffith. And how old are you, Yolo? 13. And how long have you been selling race uh, cards? Probably four or five years. So you're a champion then? Well. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your opening like? Can you give me your pitch? What do you say to people when you, they arrive for a uh, card, Yolo? Well, I say, well, I probably got to let them get out the car first. But then I say, hi, can I interest you in a race card? And that, that's brilliant. What, what about you, Ollie? What do you say? I approach them and um, ask how they are and how they've been um, and then ask them whether they want a race card or not and the prices they are. Brilliant pictures. I can see you both on Dragon's Den next time. Um, and how generous are the rates of pay for this job? You're working so hard. <laughs> Hard work, but not much money. <laughs> really, yeah, Yolo? I agree. Well, that's amazing. And who sells the most, the Flint and Denby or the Wednesday? The Wednesday, of course. Definitely Flint and Denby. Yeah, champions. Well done. Thank you very much. I'm at the hub of the race course in the weighing room, chatting to Guy Churton, clerk of the scales, for over 20 years. Guy's responsible for the jockeys carrying the correct weights. Tell us a bit more about the role you play on a day's racing, Guy. In indeed. It's not the most onerous job on the race course, but it's very important. The owners or trainers enter the horse and what you see in the race card is what the owners or trainers have put in, i.e. breeding horse's name, jockey, colours and weight. So that is what you read when you pick up the race card. However, when they get onto the race course, they have to declare the horse to run up to 30 minutes before the race, and some of the information in the race card could be changed, such as the jockey's name, 
or the weights because the weights are dependent on what the horse has performed up to date and its age, its sex and the experience of the jockey. So although the med medium weight is 12 stone 7, they could be weighing out at less than that or they could be weighing out at more than that if they the jockey is overweight. Tell us about the jockeys. Um, some of them are very nervous, aren't they? Do they all cope with it differently? The younger jockeys, when we've had a very early point-to-point, -point, which we used to have, now we have one point-to-point -point in the middle of the season. We had some jockeys that had never ridden before. And yes, they were nervous. I mean, they they whilst they weigh themselves in a changing room, the scales there aren't as accurate as the ones that I use, which are electric and calibrated to the exact weight. So many of the young jockeys would probably weigh themselves at home with their kit. And then again, when they changed at the race course and they could still have the wrong weight, then they come in and they are nervous. Um, you know, they have to show their blinkers and any other accoutrements that need to be shown to the um, clerk of the scales and uh, breastplates, colours, the colours should be correct. And, uh, you know, that is quite unnerving for young jockeys. Yes, and then you reweigh four when the race is finished. We do. We weigh, we reweigh the first four, but the inexperienced jockeys often come in and think they're going to be weighed, and they're very disappointed when I said, "Are you in the first four? And they'd either fallen off or they finished miles behind, <laughs> and so we have to d disappoint them by saying, "No, we don't weigh you in." And uh, sometimes there's quite a long delay because obviously the winner wants to spend time talking to the owners and trainers and the judge has to come in and give us the form of the way that their horses are finished. And, and then we have to tell the commentator that they're all weighed in and then he calls out that they're weighed in and then the bookies can pay the punters what they, what they have won on the horses. And you're still weighing in stone as opposed to kilos. Yes, we haven't moved into the 21st century. We're very much in imperial. Well, that's very good for the maths. So apart from abandoned meetings due to the weather, you haven't missed a point-to-point -point for, as I said, 20 years, which is pretty impressive. Um, what does actually your local point-to-point -point mean to you? Oh, I think it's very important and particularly... When my own daughter was riding, it's very, very nice to be involved. Although, of course, when she was riding, I wasn't able to weigh her out. So my very able assistant, Ben Howard Baker, did that one. I have uh, worked at mostly at, for the Winston Flint and Denby Hunt, initially when it was at Eaton Hall. Um, and the facilities there were, were very archaic compared with what we've got now. A breezy, a breezy tent and some bathroom scales. And I have weighed at uh, Eiton and I have weighed at Tabley. But by far the most prestigious one is, of course, Bangrandi because we've got professional changing rooms and professional uh, weighing, weighing facilities. Yes, it must make all the difference. Well, that's brilliant. Guy, I'm glad you didn't make me get on the scales and it was great to hear all about them. Thank you very much. It's a busy time in the Sage household. Chris is married to Carly who we've already met. And as a pundit, this podcast should be a breeze. Now, Chris, you are, have one of the most important jobs of the day. The commentating is, is, is part of the excitement of the day. Is it an exciting job? 
It is an exciting job, yeah. Uh, filled with, with nerve-wracking moments, but it is, yeah, it is an exciting part of, the, part of the day and it is an exciting and interesting job. So you were funneled into this job between Eric Windsor and Carly and um, you were taught on the job and trained alongside them. So now you've taken over. How, how did you start off? Yeah, it was exactly that. Carly um, volunteered me to work with uh, with Eric, and um, I started in 2018 uh, shadowing Eric at the point to points, um, and then gradually moved to a point where did a race or two, and always had Eric there as a sort of critique um, and uh, support and advisor. Uh, but Eric, of course, having done 30 years in the Northwest area, there's no finer commentator to work with and learn from. Have you and Eric ever uh, commentated side by side? Yes, uh, we, we have. We did a race a few years ago at Eiton. Um, we split it, decided as it was a seven race card, the easiest way to split the day evenly was to do the last race. So I did the first nine fences and Eric did the last nine, um, which was quite good fun. And we have a lot of fun, or have had a lot of fun, I should say, doing it together, um, from trying to be the first to mention one of the jumbo jets flying into Manchester at Tabley to picking out wildfowl in the centre of a course. So we do try and make it fun between us. Yeah, he doesn't let you have it all your own way then. Most certainly the not. You, newcomer. That sounds great, Chris, thank you. Is there such a thing as an easy race or a difficult race to commentate on? There are, there are both. Um, some of the more difficult ones, which sounds um, rather strange to people, is the smaller fields. When you get two, three, four in a race, it can be very difficult to fill time without just becoming very repetitive. And you need then some information on the jockeys and a little bit more background at times to fill in. Um, so it easy... takes you quite a while to prepare that sort of thing. Yeah, that can. Um, an easy race is eight to 12 runners is lovely because there's, there's a nice number and there's always something happening so you you get into a really nice rhythm and you don't need any of that information to fill because there's always something to tell people about on the course do you con consciously use your voice to create excitement in different parts of the race do you feel that or? Uh, i try to i'm not very good at it i do have quite a, um, sure a monotone voice but i do uh, i do try to 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 put that in at times uh, but also I'd, I'd like to think that at times also keeps it level because the last thing you want as a commentator is to be overreacting or uh, making uh, the false statement at a mistake at a fence or something. You don't want somebody to suddenly take sharp inhalations of breath. The crowd want to hear what is happening. Yeah, you've got to be accurate as well, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah try and keep accurate um, and very much don't give opinions, only give what's going on. How did you first meet Carly? Uh, I met Carly, yeah, through the Wednesday. I moved uh, from Somerset to the Wednesday in 2007 uh, to become second whip. Um, and Carly was, at that time, with Steve Wynn um, at uh, Stockton Hall, where our hunt horses were in livery. So I met her through that, and then um, when she left... Um, Steve's and went to Aintree and I moved out of hunt service. Uh, we remained in the area um, and the rest, as they say, is history. Well, I'm glad to say that the Wednesday spotted both your talents first. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. Before we head to the start, Claire bumped into the Stockton race card sellers. 
Jake, how many race cars did you sell today? Was it a sellout? Uh, yeah. Roughly, Charlie, would you say about 50, 60? So were you the top sellers, do you think, today? I don't know. It was quite slow to begin with, but then it got going really quickly. And did people buy two or three at a time? Oh, loads. loads. One person bought, like, five or six all at once. And did you know what change to give him and uh, how yes. to deal with the cash? Yeah. Oh, well done. You know your maths, set. I wrote it all down on my phone, like, the prices. So did that you? was much easier. So you are Jake and you're how old, Jake? Uh, I'm uh, 12. Well done. You did a great job. Let's meet Edward, the starter. Edward, this has been something of a family tradition. Yes, I think I'm now, I think, the third generation uh, to have been starting. My grandfather and father both were start, uh, started in the local point-to-points, and they always uh, took a horse and rode down to the start. But uh, no, I just go down in a vehicle. And my day really starts, you know, you turn up and you get your team together, you know, your team really to make it happen. It's not just about the starter, it's everybody else with you. You usually have a couple of assistants and you have your flagman. So you get... You know, make sure everybody's there and then you I always just check up on the rules because they always change a bit each year because you've just got to be on it a bit and quite often we'll have a, a steward come down to the start so we get down to the start um, and first thing is when they all come down there is, is to do a roll call one has to do that automatically do a roll call make sure everybody's there and then you've got your way of starting the years ago it used to be a flag start now we very much use a tape which is great uh, the setup at Bangor is excellent. Uh, jockeys walk around, um, and the assistants ask myself. We check all the girths. So you hang on. Let's get this right. You must. You start on time, but you must never start early. Yes, I remember. Um, we can't start early because the bookmakers. So we always have to start uh, one minute after. And I remember one year I was one of the first years we were at Bangor. I was about two or three minutes late, and I got back and. And Jeannie said to me, um, my races, Bangor, always start on time. So after that, I thought, crumbs, I must, must be on it a bit more. But anyway, so we always, yeah, try and start one or two, a minute afterwards, do the roll call, do the girths. Uh, then I go over to my rostrum, and the jockeys are always keen to get on. There's always that banter going on between them all. Who's going to go off first and how they all want to go, but that's leave that to them. And what's the male-female dynamic? Like I don't notice that too much. It's, it's great to have the mixture down at the start, um, but you don't sort of notice that they all get on. They're competitive, so I don't feel too much. You know, that's fine really on that sort of side. But I'm up on the rostrum, and then they all want to. You know, all they want to do is get started, and then you just have to make sure they you call them in to to come in, walk in slowly, and you want them in uh, a group as much as you can. Uh, and it's a bit of a judgment call when you're going to let them go and you want to be firm and decisive because if they are all trying to rush you you've got to stop that and get the jockey's respect um, but you want to get them off first time so if they're walking in steady jig jogging in in a good bunch and they'll be way before that sometimes they get to the the tape I'll let it go and then they can have a nice start and there's lots of yes sirs and no sirs and Yes, the, you, as they come in, there's yes sir, yes sir, and then there's a couple saying no sir, no sir, but just as they come in, and then you just make that judgment, and away they go. Um, 
from that respect and you just have to sort of go with it and as I said make your best judgment of how they go you have always if you're going to have a false start which we don't seem to have had for years now because you've got the tape you've got your flag man who's down at the first fence and you can indicate to him if you've got a false start and then he has to stand his ground and turn everybody back um and then a few other start, um, difficult starters. Sometimes you have horses that won't start or they plant and you'll get owners and connections and trainers come up to you and say, right, in the next race, so-and-so, this horse didn't start last time. And I quite enjoy that because it's a quite a challenge to get them to start. Um, and other people lead them in. So that's all part of the, the fun of, of making it all happen on the day. And it is an amateur sport. Well, it sounds a very sort of high pressure few moments and you certainly are at the sharp end. You obviously have a bird's eye view and hopefully you see some of the racing superstars of the future. Yes, and I always think it's a good job to have at a point to point because when it's you started the race, then you can go and enjoy it. And it is, you know, just for a few minutes, it's right on it. But it's great. It's so good to, to do it. They say a race is not won at the start, but it can easily be lost. Felix Barlow got off to a great start and a very successful finish, where Claire caught up with him. Congratulations, Felix, on your first point-to-point win on the Dubai Way, and you've won the Camilla Churton Kelly Memorial Trophy. Um, I watched the race with your Pony Club Games team trainer, <laughs> and he was trying to take all the credit for your riding. Is that the case? Is that where Probably you learned your can, riding he, in Pony Club Games? He clouted the, um, the last on the second circuit as we were going out on our second circuit so i felt i felt my games came in hand there so yeah. you managed to stick like exactly. glue did you well done it was very exciting to watch yeah. so it's a family um project isn't it your father hunts him your mother yeah. rides him out and yeah. you're the jockey <laughs> so it's a real family i shouldn't really horse. take any credit should i <laughs> <laughs> definitely should but it's a great story uh, and you you've all um, can celebrate tonight, can't you? Well, I'm, I'm off back to school tonight, so oh, probably yeah. not. <laughs> so when do you think you'll ride him next? I'm not sure. We'll have to look in the calendar and see which which race is suitable to him next. Well, you're a very popular winner here, um, <laughs> Felix. Congratulations. Thank well you. done. Thank you very much. Another very popular place on the course, and I'm hoping Claire's having a well-earned drink. So, Gress, we're in the farmer's bar having a drink. This is a, a rare day off, isn't it, for you from your farming? Yeah, most certainly is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you spent the day enjoying the point-pointing or the racing, or have you met up with some friends in the bar? Uh, met, met up with some friends in the bar, um, late getting away, so we didn't see much of the point-to-point, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. So, whereabouts do you farm? Near Malta In Chocolate, yeah. And um, are you a fan of Countryfile or Clarkson's Farm? Oh, Clarkson. You like Jeremy Clarkson? Yeah, as well watch Emmerdale's Countryfile. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think um, Jeremy Clarkson has highlighted in the farming world? The ups and downs of it, I think. I think the... He's got such a personality and a sense about him that he can put it across to the public. Yes, he can, yeah. Am I doing OK? Yeah, you're doing very well, Chris. It's very nice to talk to you. I'm glad that you're having a great time and a day off for once. Well deserved. Thank you.
Thank you both for a wonderful parade of hounds and many of us here today view yourselves and your hounds as the beating heart of the community in the Welsh borders and the Vale of Clwyd and the connection between you and your hounds has been penned as the golden thread. Is this connection something you can put into words at all, Chris? How do you get this bond between you and the hounds? I personally believe it's just working with them day in, day out and gaining trust. It's all about trust, I think, personally. And the trust goes both ways, doesn't it? I think so, yes. What do you think, Robert? Uh, yeah, with qu- quite agree, really. Your hounds. Quite agree. You know, we're in a, in a way of life here. We, as Chris has said, we work with them 24 hours a day, really. You know, they're our workmates, they're our colleagues. Yeah. Everyone always asks, how do you know the names? Well, we work with them every day, we see them every day, and that, yes. that bond just comes from there. Well, the devotion is wondrous. And it seems to be an increasing trend now that you take your hounds um, and visit other packs. Um, does this present a special um, challenge for you and your hounds if you visit? In, in, some, in some ways, I guess it's a challenge because obviously you're going into a technically a strange country as much as a lot of the time when you visit, you do know people, you know the area, but... Yeah, you go into a strange country and, you know, you rely on your bond with your hounds and your hounds to operate how you want them to operate and show where you're visiting, what the Flint and Denby or what the Winstay can do. So it doesn't make a great deal of difference then to your hounds? No, not really. It's, again, it's all about trust. Yes. You trust. Trust your hounds to do what you want them to do and, yeah, it's... Uh, no more. Everything should be, yes. should all be up together, really. You're both very able jockeys. Have you ever ridden in a race, Chris? I've done a few charity races. That's about it. You're very competitive. And a race across then. the country to keep up with these. Yeah, and you did quite well in that race, didn't you? I, yeah, I was second. Yes. Yeah, so I was pretty good. Yes, I did raise, okay. Raise money for charity. Exactly. Rob, have you ever ridden in a race? No, 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 no. I've uh, so just, just your, the hunting. How did you learn to ride to such a, a degree? Well. Just, just practice and yeah, had to had to ride to follow the hounds. Really, I grew up with a foot pack in Snowdonia, and uh, in order to get get in on the job and and start my career, I had to move to a mounted pack, and it it sort of went from there really. And so it came naturally. I, I'd like to think so now. Probably didn't at the time. But... Were, you, were you a sportsman at school? Did, sports. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, definitely. But person. yeah, definitely. But. Yeah, riding horse is one thing for sure. I mean, I've had a go on a motorbike a time or two and that frightens me to death, giving me a horse any other day. Well, I've seen it's you... all balanced, I suppose. But... Yeah, I've seen you jumping some hedges yeah. in great style. <laughs> Very nice to talk to Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Claire has done an amazing job dashing around the race course. What a great day. We hope you've all enjoyed it too. I didn't even get a chance for my posh picnic. Don't worry, we'll get the bubbles out as this episode marks our second podcast anniversary. Well, we're very proud to have had over 10,000 downloads and we look forward to our next exciting episode when it could be you in the driving seat.